set the precedent, because here's my illustration. I'm going to use um, my cat as an illustration to help us unpack the deep truths of one John, <laughs> my cat. Most of you might actually know my cat because she only lives next door, but from time to time she does like to come into church. You might have seen her. She's a black and white cat. You might also have noticed on your way home if you drove here that your, my cat pops up in the back of your car because she loves to get into the backs of people's cars. So do check on your way home that you haven't stolen my cat. My cat is a very interesting cat. She's troubled in many ways. Uh, she has issues. Um, I, I'm guessing these issues stemmed from when she was quite young, actually, because she's a stray. And uh, we don't know how old she was when she came. Uh, she just turned up one day on our doorstep. I'm going to try shifting a little bit. It's not working. I can't find a non-sunny spot. Here we are. Ah, you're there. Uh, so our cat just turned up, and she decided to sit outside our house. Come rain or shine, she wouldn't go anywhere until we let her in and adopted her as our own. Don't worry, we followed proper procedures of calling cat protection and checking whether... So if you're missing a black and white cat, actually, we've had her for three or four years. Um, anyway, so our cat... Um, she, she used to... Obviously, I don't know how much time, but she would have spent some time out there in the big bad world on our own. Um, astray, an alley cat. She might have had to fend for herself for quite a while, I don't know, or fend off other wild animals and take care of herself and all those sorts of things. And, and naturally, she's quite a nervy cat because she spent that time out there in the darkness, in the difficulty, in the big bad world. Uh, and then when she came to us, of course, we let her in the home and we began to take care of her. And we began to provide for her. The kids love her and adore her and uh, stroke her and comfort her. But she still, despite all those things, she's doing much better now, but despite all those things, she still has some of those uh, um, scars, if you like, some of that nervy character that she picked up. Some of the old habits that she might have developed haven't all disappeared yet. She still hisses at us from time to time if, we, if we're trying to get her to do something she doesn't want to do. If she's up a tree, for example, and we try and help her down, she's more likely to swipe at you than, uh, than run to you. Uh, she'll still get her claws out occasionally, uh, and she's still a bit of an odd cat. So if you do see her around, you know, just give her a bit of space until uh, she comes to you, etc. But do you, do you understand the illustration I'm trying to bring here? Is that you would hope and like to think that as she began to belong in our family, in our home, that some of those old ways that she doesn't need anymore would start to disappear, that she'd begin to be healed from those things. And praise God, she is. But even from time to time, she still has some of that temperament that rears its head. Right. That's a bit like us in our Christian lives. There was a time before we knew God, before we belonged to our Heavenly Father, that in a sense we had to kind of fend for ourselves in quite a hostile world. And there are ways of behavior and conducting ourselves and the spiritual life that we had before we came to Christ that was filled with sin and difficulty of hurting others and being hurt ourselves. 
But the good news that John has been talking about in this letter is that we have become, through Jesus, children of God. Did you see that in verse 1? See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. John spends so much time in this letter explaining to us that we've gone from a world of darkness now to a world of light in Jesus. We've gone from a world where we were on our own, orphans, abandoned, strays, to a world now where we are sons and daughters, adopted, loved, forgiven, given a new life, a new name, a new inheritance, a new future, a new identity in Christ. Not just that, we've come to a home and a family that is altogether safe. A place where you don't have to worry about whether you're going to get booted out or worried whether you're going to be taken advantage of or abused in some way by our Heavenly Father. John wants us to know that that is the case. And because of that, we can rest secure. We can rest secure as children of God. We don't have to carry around with us those same fears we might once have had. Worried about the threats and the dangers Worried about if no one's looking after me, I'm going to have to look after my own interests. Fighting and competing and grabbing like you might have had to before. That's the place John wants us to get to. He wants us not to be insecure, but secure. He wants us to be secure in Christ. However, that doesn't mean that suddenly as we get adopted into the family of Jesus, that suddenly, all miraculously, we're completely all right all the time. Just like my cat, we still have sometimes those things that come up in our life, that those habits and behaviors, those sins that we do, that we once, uh, because that was part of the world we belong to, they still rear their head from time to time. Okay, I want to talk, though, because um, I think John wanting to reassure us of our position in Christ, I want to just highlight a couple of ways in which actually sometimes we are not secure but insecure and why that happens. Two insecurities that can happen in our Christian life. There's probably many, but here's a couple I want to touch on that I think are relevant to this passage. One is that we try to convince ourselves in our, in, our sort of, in our world outside of Christ, if you like, uh, where it's hostile and difficult. We adopt that mentality that we try to convince ourselves that we belong to God only by how good we are and whether we please God or not. So that he's only going to take us in, if you like, if we're a good cat, or only stay in his household if we remain good. And we carry around with this, this insecurity that actually only the good and the well-behaved 
keep being accepted by God. And so what we do is we talk ourselves into believing then that we've got to be perfect. That we can't sin anymore. And so what we do is we can go one of two ways uh, on this is that we try to be as strive to be as good as we can in order to be accepted by God. Or what we try and do is we try and explain away or justify the sins that we do, that they're not really sins anymore anyway. Does that make sense? We try to imagine that we are good people and excuse away the things we do. Now, the Pharisees did that to an extreme level, didn't they? Where they did that for so long, they couldn't even see that they were still sinful people. Now, the problem with that approach, that uh, mentality, is that it makes us insecure in our relationship with God. We don't have that assurance of his love because we're constantly worried, of course, whether we're good enough. We constantly worry whether we're going to be rejected. We constantly worry whether we're in God's good books or not. We have that niggling doubt in our minds. Christians who live like that, they're very keen to please, to please everyone or please other Christians or please God, but always anxious and never at peace. Second problem, insecurity that might come up, is that we might go, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I can't stop sinning. It says here, it says in John's letter here that we should stop sinning and that those who belong to God, we should be changing, becoming like Christ and growing in holiness and oh, when I look at my life, I just see all the same stupid things coming up over and over and over again. And it creates within us an insecurity. How can I do and commit the sorts of things I do and still belong to God? I'm not getting any better. And we start to look inwards and we start to worry about whether or not we belong to Jesus. Am I really in? Have I really met God? Is any of it real? Am I born again? Now, all these insecurities can lead to a bigger problem, which is, is any of it really true? And John, the people that John is writing to, there are people around who are trying to persuade the church that Jesus He didn't really come for you. He doesn't really love you. He's not really the son of God. These things aren't true. And of course, our insecurities can lead us to those sorts of places. Okay, I just want to spend a couple of moments with a few reassurances that I think John would bring. Firstly, if your problem is that you're insecure because you don't think you're good enough, that you need to earn God's love somehow, I want to reassure you that the gospel always says you can't earn his love. His love for you was never based on whether you were good enough or how well you perform. So as best you can, 
you've got to stop performing. You've got to stop judging yourself and judging others. In fact, here's an even bigger step. You need to just embrace the fact that you are a sinner. Because if you always try and think, I've got to not be a sinner, that's going to be your focus of attention, that I've got to stop sinning, and then I will be sure of my salvation. Just embrace it. You are. And when I say embrace it, I don't mean go out, rush out into your sins and celebrate it. But just be like, yeah, I'm a sinner. What of it? Jesus is a friend of sinners. Yes, I want to turn away from that sin and turn to Christ. But my sin doesn't define me in that way. God's love for me is as I am. The reason I think, um, coming back to the silly cat thing, the reason I'm hoping our cat is changing is not because she's worried that she's going to get booted out one day. I'm hoping she changes because just simply from being around a loving, supportive family. Right? The reason that, Paul, that John excuse me, says that we change, now he says it here, doesn't he? Uh, Dear friends, verse 2, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The reason that we begin to change and put sin away and stop sinning, because John says that, if you are a Christian, you will stop sinning, and I hold to that. But it's not because you are trying to earn and please God or because you're fearful of getting booted out. Sins get put away simply because as you spend time in the presence of Jesus and our Heavenly Father and that you allow his love to wash over you and you accept who you are, that you belong in his house and that you are safe and secure in his love, you will change you won't be insecure you won't be fearful you won't try and protect and push others away because you're worried if they're going to reject you all that stuff you'll begin to change you'll realize that in his presence it's not hostile you don't have to be guarded you don't have to fight you don't have to compete you don't have to do any of that That's how you put away sin. That's the motivation. It's not even a focus. The focus is on, I'm in the presence of Christ and his love is changing me. And so my sins drop away. Yes, it rears its head. My cat can't help those behaviors. Sometimes they re-emerge. And just like our cat, sometimes the old nature rears its head but we are changing. John mentions Cain and Abel, doesn't he? Because he says one of the tests of whether you're really abiding in that secure love of God is your love for your brothers and sisters. Because if you're still living in that old way out in the, in the street, out of the home, you're going to be more like Cain than you are Abel. See, Cain is still living in that world of If you bring the right gift to God, you will be accepted. And if you bring the wrong gift, you won't be. 
and he has a competitive attitude with his brother, Abel, doesn't he? He's still adopting that street cat ways, whereas Abel's not. So the test really is our brother, brotherly and sisterly love for one another. In my home, um, and I'm sure where it, when you grew up, if you had siblings, uh, did you squabble at all? No? No. <laughs> I, I think it's universal, isn't it? That siblings squabble. I've got children over there, I won't say too much. Um, and of course, in some ways, we go, it makes sense. Of course, they're going to squabble. That's just the way brothers and sisters are. But in another way, it makes no sense at all, does it? It really makes no sense because you live in the same home that belongs to you and everyone in it. You don't need to nail on your door, this is mine. You don't need to have padlocks on the door saying, no entry, don't come here, don't come near me. You don't need to mark your territory in theory. You should realize that we share all this together and what is mine is yours. And what belongs to the brothers and sisters is theirs. Okay, you might have your own possessions and things, but they're freely shared. Does that make sense? If you truly get that you're in a loving home with nothing to fear, that should be the case. But it's so often not, isn't it? Because we adopt those insecurities and those ways of the world. I'm just going to wrap up now because... Um, there is so much to say on this, but I think I'm, I'm just trying to get to that sense of if we're racked with insecurities and fears about our relationship with God and our position in the world and all those things, something's wrong. So there's something about God you're not believing or accepting or allowing into your heart. I know that the world bombards us with a different gospel. That's not good news at all. But if you've truly spent time in the presence of Jesus, you should know. And that's why verse 9 makes complete sense. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. And then verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Do you see that? It's about seeing him and knowing him. Because if you've truly seen him and you've truly known him, you'll be completely secure in his love. And the things of the world will grow strangely dim. So let's just pray for a moment. Father, many of us still find or believe that we live in a hostile world that even well, the world is hostile, Lord. It is a difficult place. But we then carried that somehow into your house. And that we somehow believed that we're not altogether safe with you. 
and we have to keep you at arm's length or we're suspicious of you or we are not letting you in or we are guarded. I just pray, Father, that this night you might wash us afresh with the good news you have for us in Christ, that you are a friend of sinners, that we are your children, that we belong with you, and that everything you have, you share with us freely, forever. That there is no judgment or condemnation for those that are in Christ. Help us be secure in that, Lord, so that we don't go around squabbling with one another and pointing at each other and judging one another and scratching at one another or even at ourselves that we might bask in the glory and the freedom of your love. And so we might begin to change and become like Jesus, the master of our home. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.